you have to remember to re-choose the life that you want to live every single day. You know, it's not that you have to make a different choice. It's that you have to remember that it is still your choice. Like nothing you're doing is a fucking obligation. It's not. It's literally not. It's something you're still choosing to know. You might have responsibilities around things, but nothing that you have to do in your life, you have to do. You're choosing to do it. And you could make a different choice or you can make the same choice, but you have to remember you have a choice because if you remember you have a choice, then you have freedom. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hello, family. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. How's everyone feeling? How are you? Should we take a should we take a breath? Yeah. Good one, y'all. Good one, y'all. <laughs> um, hope all is well. We are so glad you're here. My name is Krista Williams. And I'm Lindsay Simsick. And we started this thing three years ago, something like that. And we've grown it into a community, a brand, but we're really focused on helping people feel more like themselves and helping them through transitions in their life. Yeah. This is a big transitional time, I think, as a collective. So we just want to honor that and remind you that, you know, even though there's been like a lot of just isolation happening for good reason. Um, you can still, because we're so blessed to have technology and the internet, we can still connect with one another. So if you don't know, and you're new to the podcast, we do have a community all over the world and we connect in our secret Facebook group. So you can search that on Facebook and we just support one another in there. We share, we ask questions. We're just ourselves and it's been a really healing place for people to go. Yeah. And we've also been calling people to subscribe to the newsletter. We are sending personal notes from Lindsay and I, tips, tricks, all of that. So we're making it as information packed as we can. Mm -hmm. And we're also coming up just kind of a few things to be aware of as it relates to Almost 30 and just connecting with the community. We you know, want to be on um, our Facebook live more. So going into the group and really just connecting with you all. So again, just make sure you join the group. It means so much to us to be able to talk to you, hear from you, and we're going to be incorporating the community into future episodes. So stay tuned for information about that. We want to hear your story as it relates to Almost 30. You know, Did you find it at a particular time in your life? Did you listen to an episode and you know, make a small shift that's had a really big impact. Anything and everything we really want to hear from you. Yeah, we love y'all. Secret Almost 30 Podcast Facebook group is where it's at. It's been really beautiful to see the group connecting the past couple of weeks. I feel like everyone's just doing a top-notch job of being open and kind mm -hmm. and just really doing the work. So yeah. shout, shouts the fuck outs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about this episode. Oh my God. This is a sexy one. I feel like it could not come <laughs> at a better time. I need some like art in my ear. 100%. Do you know what I, yes. I mean? It is a yeah, sexy I just, one. <laughs> I, it's a very sexy one. I love that it's also just so different. You know, it's mm -hmm. like inspiring and different and unique. And for me, I'm just searching for in my life, different inspirational messages from different places than I normally look I feel like we have a tendency to always seek and reach to the same references or people or Instagram accounts or spaces for inspiration. And it was amazing to have NQ in the house be as inspirational as ever. National Poetry Slam champion, uh, award-winning poet, and a multi-platinum songwriter. Just a, a, a quick fact, he wrote Love You Like a Love, love Song by Selena Gomez. 
I love that fact. That's crazy. <laughs> I want to love you like a love song, baby. And so many more. And his new book, Inquire Within, is out now, which in this episode, he actually recites a handful of his poems live, which was really, really powerful and mesmerizing. I was telling Krista, like just the, the way in which he shares his inquiry, his own inquiry, and actually inspires the reader to go inside and like ask themselves, like, how do I feel about this? Without it being like pushy and too much, it's like a beautiful rhythmic, I don't know, like hug. You're like, okay, I can think about this too. I can actually go inward and just see like how it lands, whether it's from, you know, political issues or issues relating to your own personal love life or in career or growing up. It's just, to me, it's fascinating. I was so inspired by, you know, his work and his art and just his commitment to it. Yeah. It's mesmerizing. I mean, seeing him speak and perform in front of us and then you guys will hear it. It's absolutely like mesmerizing, intoxicating. There's really nothing else you can do but be so enveloped in what he is saying. So I'm so excited for this episode and its power. And what I loved most about NQ was like just meeting a fellow seeker, Mm -hmm. you know, just meeting someone else on this path that is as interested in life and figuring it out as we are, but in a very non-judgmental way. It's like the seeker can be and usually is someone that acknowledges how much of a student they are within their own lives. And I love meeting another student of life and humanity that is humble and like hardworking and just like open to seeing what's possible. And it was just a joy and a delight. And the book is incredible. It's a great book to give to anyone because you can pick it up. You can read one of the poems and you can put it down or you can read it all the way through. Uh, We have it and it's been just Mm -hmm. really awesome. And he also has an audible version, which... So key. Ooh, got to listen. Definitely check out his Instagram. He's also on YouTube. A bunch of his performances are on YouTube. But in Q certainly left an impression on us. And I'm excited to be just connected with him going forward. And you can go to our Instagram and watch the actual live performance of the uh, poems that we did on this episode. Mm -hmm. We have them recorded. So check that out. Almost 30 podcast on Instagram. And you can follow and find in Q. In dash Q dot com. Uh, and then on Instagram, in Q life is where you can follow him. So that's I-N-Q life and then I-N dash Q dot com. You know, growing up, I think there was that like wanting to be accepted and good and like polite and all those things. And I think that affects your voice. Right. You know, and how like how it resonates. So I do find myself kind of like... Uh, dipping into that at times when I want to be like, if I don't know someone and perhaps I want them to think I'm a certain way. Yeah. You want to make an impression. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of the many tools that people use to communicate. So all of the tools are like that tracing paper we were just talking about, you know, and it's like, how can you actually align with your true authentic voice in every form of communication so that you can actually communicate your truth in that moment? I think that's more of service to everybody. Mm. How do we do that? <laughs> I'm still <laughs> figuring easy it question, out. Right. So when did you even realize that that was like possible or that was what brought you more to your authentic self? Was figuring out which parts of you needed to align and how your truth was communicated? Well, I mean, look, as an artist, I, and as a man, you know, as a human, <laughs> I, of course, want people to like me. I, of course, want people to love me. When I get up on stage and perform, yeah, my ego wants to be validated. I want people to appreciate uh, what I've spent so much time and energy creating. But if I focus my energy on that, I actually am not in the present moment. And then I can't communicate the deeper truth that I was exploring. So I feel like I'm the vehicle and the obstacle for my art in both the creating and in the sharing. Because in the creating of it, when I'm sitting down to write a poem, of course, I'm the vehicle for it because it's from my experiences, the things that inspire me, challenge me, move me, annoy me. You know, that's that's where I start my pieces from. 
But if I start to think about what will work with the audience, then I'm actually the obstacle for whatever it is that I'm exploring, because then I'm trying to manipulate my inspiration. You can't strategize inspiration. You just pay attention to when you're inspired and then create the time and space to explore it. So that's in the creation part of it. And then in the expressing part of it, if I'm on stage, as I said, and I'm thinking about what this guy thinks or how I even perceive this woman in the corner to be looking at me. First of all, that's not in reality. That's in my perception of reality. And second of all, it just removes me from actually connecting to the work, which is the thing that gives uh, people the space to actually lean in and feel something real. Have you always been a truth seeker? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love seekers in general. I'm attracted to them as well. You know? like from as a child, like when do you remember like kind of your first memory of like seeking the truth? Well, I was a, I was raised by a single mother. My dad wasn't around and uh, I didn't meet him until I was 15 for the first time. And so I would say that because of that, I was always kind of externalizing what a man was supposed to be or masculinity in general. And, you know, like anything else that happens to you in your life, it, you know, if it's like a cornerstone thing, it will deeply impact not only who you are, but how you are and how you view the world around you. So I was definitely like an observer very, very early on. I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to be like, what I was supposed to act like, why I didn't feel like I belonged, what was this environment, you know? And so um, that definitely fueled a lot of my writing, but it also fueled my personality. And for the the masculinity piece, I wanted to get into this probably later, but now that we've brought it up, like, you know, poetry in general isn't necessarily seen as a masculine thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you disagree or agree, but I wanted to explore that, like how you've been able to really lean into something that feels to me feminine, but you make it very masculine and like grounded in a lot of different ways. So this being your career as a spoken word poet and, and many other things, how has that felt for you like as a man? Well, um, I would say that vulnerability isn't really seen as a masculine trait. Yep. So I would say that we would start there. And I, I would say that poetry is a vulnerable art form because there's nothing else to get in the way of what you're thinking and feeling. You know, there's no music, there's no other people, there's no, you know... Uh, props, you know, on stage for you to interact with. It's just you and you and the audience witnessing and then mirroring that humanity back onto them in their own lives. Poetry was the first environment that I was ever in where I saw people being celebrated for being vulnerable. You know, when I was 19, I wound up in an open mic for poets in Los Angeles called the Poetry Lounge. They get 250, 350 people every single Tuesday night who show up to listen to people sign up on a fucking list and read whatever was going on with them that week. And it was like church without religion. If somebody got up and said something true, the whole audience would celebrate them for that because they would feel their own truth, you know, on, you know, connected to the person that was on stage. And that really, really lit me up. And, you know, I just kept coming back week after week, uh, putting up my own work and watching these other incredible artists that became a community and ultimately a family for me. Yeah, for for me, I don't think about it anymore. I don't think about the vulnerability as masculine or feminine. I think about it as necessary because vulnerability creates empathy and empathy is what the world needs most right now. Yeah, the community piece stands out. Church without a religion Mm. definitely stands out. Um, How do you think that has influenced your art? and influenced you as an artist? Because I think being an artist can be so insular at times Mm -hmm. and isolating. But how have you let the community influence who you are as an artist and the art that you put out there? Well, I think the creation of art often, unless it's like a collaborative effort, is an isolating experience. But I think the, uh, the being inspired for the art that you're gonna create is everywhere. You know, so that to me is a very like connected experience and every single genre of art and every single person I come in contact with, you know, every place I go, environment that I'm in winds up 
uh, impacting who I am and impacting the next thing that, that I create. And that's why I just try to pay attention, you know, because my art comes from awareness, you know, of something that charges me or sparks me. And if I start in that place, the rest of the poem will almost write itself if I give it enough time and space. Mm. And the spiritual, it seems so so much so that, you know, so much of what you do is so spiritual and the experience is so spiritual and almost like a channeling of messages and, and observations. And like you said, where people are the, you know, you are the mirror for people. Mm-hmm. What has your spiritual path been like? And like, what is your relationship to spirit? Hmm. I mean, it's uh, ever-changing, you know, but I definitely have practices. Like I've meditated uh, twice a day for over, I think, four years at this point. And I've certainly gone to therapy and body work and seminars and read books. And, you know, I've done anything I can do to get myself out of my old stories so that I'm not living in a projection of the past and I can come more into reality. Because in reality, you know, if I'm taking in the information that's in front of me, then I'm responding best for what's happening in the now, you know, dragging some unresolved shit into a new moment and just recreating the same lesson in a different disguise over and over again. And I would say for my poetry, uh, I'm just really exploring the things that I need to be reminded of. So like a lot of the pieces are me purging or they're it's me praying or both, you know, but whatever it is that I'm sharing with my audience is something that I need to hear. And so I'm talking to myself first. Uh, And I think in that way, when I'm exploring spirituality or, you know, politics or uh, any of the issues that I explore in the book, forgiveness, I'm just uh, continuing to try to become the best version of myself through my art. What I love most about poetry is just that, like giving language to feelings that I couldn't really articulate or giving, you know, words to describe imagery that like felt so real mm. to me. And, and that's what I love about, about your work. And I, we just had a conversation really recently about language and just how people don't have the language to express themselves always. Mm. And I, um, I'm curious, like what your experience is with with using language throughout your life? Like, have you always been so deeply connected and able to express yourself? You know, I I can imagine, you know, with your upbringing with a single mom, like what was that? Were there empowering moments kind of seeing your mom, like be so independent and things like that? And, And were there lack of with not having your father figure around? I don't know. It's a hard, uh, hard question for me to answer in a clear way. I mean, I don't really have a great memory, so I don't really remember hmm. uh, my childhood. To be quite honest, yeah, um, it's very yeah. You have the same experience. For you, it's like vague and ambiguous, right? It's like very. People are like, like my fiance. He's like, I remember every teacher I've ever had. I'm like, I don't remember one. Yeah, me too. Not one. Yeah. Like it's yeah. I don't remember what I looked like. I don't remember what I was interested in. I don't remember really anything. Why do you think that is? I think there's some trauma there that that provides blocks, but I also have always been future. Mm-hmm. Always. Like I was always future or I just didn't ever, I don't live in the past in any way. Well, it's interesting because like you could say that you were always future because that was just naturally who you were, or maybe you were future because you didn't want to be where you were. 100%. I, I don't know. I'm 100%. not saying that that's the case, totally. but it's just... You know, it's interesting why we become who we become. Yep. You know, I mean, oftentimes we can't deal with what's going on. And so we just figure out a way to survive. Yep. And then that becomes Mm -hmm. basically what we do over and over again unconsciously, you know. So I'm sure it's the same for me. I mean, I don't really feel like I was me, you know, growing up. Like I don't Mm -hmm. have this sense that I was even there. To be honest, totally. Yeah. Like I just feel like I was just floating, like a fucking ghost, mm. you know. And uh, I would say that uh, you know, writing and freestyling, and you know, getting into rhymes in general was the first time that I felt really empowered. You know, where I felt like, oh, I know, 
what it is that I have to say. And it, even beyond say, it was just the energy that I was getting out of my system that I felt like I, you know, existed. And so, yeah, I mean, it, for many, uh, for, in many ways, I feel like it saved my life or at least it brought me into my life. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that visual of like getting energy out I think is so interesting because I think about people, at least from my experience, where I have like an aversion to writing sometimes, Mm -hmm. even though when I do sit down and I allow, it is like, it's like the unraveling of all the tension that has like kind of gotten me through the day. Mm. And then I'm there left kind of after having purged and after having felt the good feeling of when it comes out, there's like kind of a scary clarity there. Mm. And so I think that's like kind of the source of why sometimes I'm like right. averse to sitting down and doing it because there's like a, a, a very clear message that comes through. Well, when, when, I, when, you, when you create space, mm-hmm. you can see what's actually there. You know, it's almost like coming into a, a house that has too much art in it, you know, and there's so much art that you can't even see any of the art, you know? So it's like when you're sitting down and you're actually like, clearing out all of the other shit, then you actually see what's there. And yeah, of course that can be scary, but it's, it's also, you know, better out than in. Absolutely. You know, because when it's trapped inside of us, whether it's old shit or just shit that we're picking up on a day-to-day basis, that's what winds up coming out in other ways mm-hmm. that exactly. perpetuates that feeling, Yeah, you know, because really we're all vibrating energy. So we're going to be attracted to you know, and and be attractive to that same energy. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stories that I'm working with now are related to like me being bad, you know, mm. like being bad when I was younger. And then like, am I still bad? You know, always kind of wondering, am I, am I a bad person? You know, that kind of thing. Do you feel that pretty often? Or? Not often, but I do sometimes not trust myself in that way where I'm like, mm. am I, you know, like, is this, is this, is this a good intention or is this a bad intention? You know, sometimes right. I'll just make jokes and I'm like, it's just like self-deprecating, but I'm like, do I think that's true? You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Where did that come from? And like in, in your childhood, do you have like a specific memory or that just even one that kind of rises to the surface where you felt like, yeah, you were bad in the quotations? Yeah, I think I remember being bad for telling the truth when I was very young, you know, like being in mm. situations like with my family and I would be the one to say whatever was going on very, very clearly, mm-hmm. but everyone would be mad at me and upset because it would be like uncomfortable and awkward. Mm. So I do remember being bad for telling the truth as something. You it's know? interesting because that's what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Thank- thankfully. And that's why you've gained an audience because yep. you're, you're telling the truth. So that's now you know one of my greatest assets, but the being bad sometimes for it some, kind of still, still lingers. Right. It's like a little residue. Um, but I wanted to talk about, you know, stories that you've had, you know, mm-hmm. cause when we talk about a lot of these explorations of stories, like what's a story that you've really feel like you've gotten a good grip on in your life? I mean, I would say the story about my father, I mean, definitely, you know, I have, there's a lot there, you know, there's really a lot there. And I actually wrote a, a piece called father time in the book about it where I explore kind of going from my anger into ultimately my forgiveness and passing my forgiveness into my gratitude because I wouldn't be who I am without that. And I'm really genuinely grateful for who I am and where I am. And I'm excited for where I'm going to go. You know, even I look at my life and I'm like, what will I dress like in my 80s? You know, I want to be surprised. I want to be curious in every stage of my life. And uh, I don't see any reason why I shouldn't keep being surprised and curious and passionate and enthusiastic and allow my purposes to change. Um, And I just, I don't think that I would be where I am or who I am without having to go through uh, that experience, you know? And so I have, as I said, real gratitude for it. Mm. As as an artist, have you ever struggled with the idea that you couldn't make it a career? 
I mean, what the fuck is a poet anyway? It's like, seriously, like (laughs) what type of a career, you know, I, some of the best artists that I have ever met in my entire life are poets from my community and, you know, best art experiences I've ever had were in the audience watching another poet on stage. And it's hard to figure out how to monetize this. It took me many, many years. I mean, I had to go through a lot of different seasons to figure out how to uh, monetize it and maintain my artistic integrity at the same time. Mm. And, you know, I mean, literally, like I was on HBO's Deaf Poetry Jam and the National Poetry Slam Championships. We won one year and still we couldn't figure out how to make any real money. We were doing like college shows and little public shows. And ultimately I got a publishing deal with Rock Mafia and started writing uh, songs for really successful artists, so Selena Gomez and Miley Cyrus and Aloe Black and Foster the People. And, you know, I've done almost 40 Disney songs. And so that allowed me a financial foundation to be able to step back Mm -hmm. into exploring my poetry, which is what I've always been really passionate about. Um, And now, you know, I travel around the country and the world, uh, you know, companies, corporations, public shows, I do poetry workshops. We have the book Inquire Within that's coming out with Harper Collins. And, uh, you know, my mission is to be a part of the wave that changes uh, how people perceive poetry in, in popular culture. And, you know, I wake up some days and I'm annoyed by that because there's no direct roadmap to get there, you know, per your question. But then most days I wake up and I'm fucking excited mm-hmm. because, you know, if there's no uh, structure to it, that also means there's nothing to confine me. I don't have to follow by anybody else's rules. Totally. Yeah. I think we really relate to that just being in our space. It's like when we were coming up, we've been doing this for three and a half years and that's not a long time, but it's like there was no example that I saw for female podcasters, especially two mm-hmm. that were like making a business out of it and then making like kind of a media company or, or really doing it in the way we did. So sometimes I do wake up and I'm like, oh, it is so inspiring. I'm like the opportunities and options are endless. Like we can mm-hmm. do whatever you want. You're really in charge of your destiny. And then sometimes it is, it's like, okay. Like it's like a little scary at points. Cause I'm like, if you, I'm making it up and I'm driving the ship and like, I'm in, tr- I'm in charge of every opportunity and option that I choose. What if we fuck it up? Mm. You know, what if I, what if we choose wrong? What if I choose wrong? Which is a little scary. But every time you've chosen wrong, I'm assuming you came out on the other side with more information. mm -hmm. We haven't chosen wrong. So there you go. (laughs) No, I'm just fucking around. Yeah. Data collect. I completely agree. It's just like, I guess it's just the stakes feel higher. Yeah. And especially when it's like something that's so personal to you. Yeah. You know, the stakes feel higher. We have more to lose. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's this is me, you know. But with um writing songs for other people, I think I really want to I guess dig into that a little bit more because I know people that are artists and um in the creative industry sometimes have a resistance to doing things like that that seem commercial mm-hmm. or seem like they're or, or for others, but I think it's really important to be thinking about things like that which have given you and allotted you freedom and flexibility with your time to yeah. really invest in your creativity. So was there ever any resistance for you? To do that. Yeah, I mean, there was, but I was also desperate. You know, by the time I wound up, uh, you know, getting to the studio and getting the publishing deal, which is one of the best things that ever happened to me, ultimately, and I'll, I'll tell you why, I was definitely in a place of going, all right, well, I don't, I mean, nothing's really working, you know, and it's like cute to be like a broke artist doing your thing when you're like in your mid 20s, you're just struggling, you're doing your thing. But you pass 30 and you're like, okay, what the fuck, dude? I can't pay for dinner. Like, honestly, like this is not gonna, you know, so many, many times I thought about doing other things and I was in a place where I was just open to anything. And, uh, and then I got really lucky, as I said. And when I started working with the studio and writing songs, the unintended consequences is that I was forced to use my imagination mm. to find truth for other artists that weren't me in ways that I would never have chosen to express myself. And in doing that over and over again, when I got back to writing just for me, I had all of these tools that I had never had in the past. 
And I think it allowed me to be more entertaining and more expressive and to tell my truth in a deeper way. So ultimately, it ended up being, as I said, one of the best artistic things that ever happened to me. Mm. It's an empathy builder too, I would think. Yeah, because you have to really imagine what this other person wants to say, or you're working with the artist, you know, like with Aloe and uh, with Foster the People, we're working with the artist. It's a different thing. Um, but sometimes on the Disney stuff, it's like, literally, I'm just imagining who these characters are yeah. and what their truth is in that moment and how to express that. And Can you so, say like a song? Uh, it's all Disney television stuff. Oh, so God. we had, I think, two records went gold this year wow. off of the Descendants 3 that uh, cool. that I co-wrote. So um, yeah, it's, it's really, it, it's an awesome outlet creatively. And I think everybody has to decide for themselves what that line is, you know? But I also think that people can hold on to their artistic integrity so tightly that they actually don't get into the flow of life, mm. you know? And life has a flow. You know, you can tell life all you want, but, you know, life will carry you. You know, if you are holding on to the rocks, you know, you're going to take longer to get to that waterfall. 100%. I don't know what that meant. But. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we're about to roll into, into something. But I guess I just want to I just want to unpack that a little bit further because I think that's really good about artists holding on to something so tightly and not really responding to the flow of life because I think people have a vision for what they want. And I don't think that a lot of them have flexibility into how they're going to get there or what it's going to look like because I think that they hold so tightly to a certain vision, especially if they're an artist or an entrepreneur. Yeah. So can you, can you unpack that like a little bit further? Yeah. I mean, I th look, I think in general, like artists, they create things. No, let me start here actually. Okay. So in, in the book, I have this whole thing that I talk about, which is basically like, I go to my therapist and he's like explaining like, um, basically his perception of the difference between ideas and ideologies. And so he was saying that ideas, they're tools that you can use in your life that'll change as your truth and your experience changes. Ideologies are different because ideologies, you have to force everything in your reality into the frame of. Otherwise, you will lose control over that ideology and that part of your life. Because, it, you know, an idea is one thing, an ideology is something else. But if your ideology becomes a part of your identity, then to change your mind literally means a part of you has to die. Mm. And that's fucking terrifying for people. So that's why people hold on to their ideologies because they're holding on to their identity, you know? 100%. And artists kind of, I mean, this is a much lesser version of this, but artists create from their truth and their art becomes their ideology and their identity. And that's how they get validation. And so they hold on to this image of themselves, but you're going to change so much throughout your life. I mean, you have to remember to re-choose the life that you want to live every single day. You know, it's not that you have to make a different choice. It's that you have to remember that it is still your choice. Like nothing you're doing is a fucking obligation. It's not. It's literally not. It's something you're still choosing to know. You might have responsibilities around things, but nothing that you have to do in your life, you have to do. You're choosing to do it. And you could make a different choice or you can make the same choice, but you have to remember you have a choice because if you remember you have a choice, then you have freedom. You don't feel like a prisoner of your own life. So, you know, I could wake up tomorrow and decide I don't want to be a poet anymore. And I like having that freedom because then when I choose to write a poem, I'm fully choosing to write a poem. And uh, I would suggest that people uh, create from the things that inspire them, but also be open to their life changing and see where the flow of life takes them because it might be better than they ever could have imagined. Yeah, I feel like some of the biggest creative blocks can come from feeling like a part of your life is an obligation. It doesn't have to be the thing, but I'm just thinking about people who have, say, you know, a, a corporate job that they hate, but they want to do this creative thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just any part of their life that feels out of alignment could be sabotaging or really strangling the life out of that creative force. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of blame put on 
put on that thing that you feel you are obligated to. But I just love this point of like, everything is a choice. And it sounds really simple, but it's just such a powerful reminder yeah. that we can make the choice. Yeah. And I, look, I'm still learning that various degrees of success and failure yeah. every single day. But, you know, but that was a really powerful insight for myself. Mm-hmm. And it's something I still apply on a, on a moment to moment basis. When it comes to your process, I'm curious, you know, do you, do you always feel in flow and connected and you can sit down at any moment or do you prepare in a certain special way? What does that look like? Okay. So preparing to create art for me, that's mm-hmm. different for other people, but for me creates pressure. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to be in this certain, I'm going to travel to a cabin and then I'm going to create something. It's fucking exhausting. It's like, <laughs> what? Why? Like, And then you get there and you're like, yeah. Oh, I have to do something great right now. Wow. That's really a lot. Yeah, I have to do something great right now. Think about how much pressure that is. It's also is. like procrastinating. Yeah. And it's also pretentious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the damn. You know, it's it's all of those things, you know. So um, I don't want to sit down and, and, you know, people will say, oh, what's your favorite poem? And I'll say the next one for sure. Because it's going to be the next thing will be the closest to creation. So it will be my favorite poem. But it doesn't have to be the best poem. Mm. You know, first of all, what does that mean? It's arbitrary. But secondly, I don't want to put that pressure on myself that this poem has to be viral or has to be anything like that. I, you know, otherwise I'd start looking around and I'd think, well, what issues are important to other people? Oh, I'll just do those. But that's not my voice. You know, I have to do the things that are important to me and trust that that will resonate with other people as well. So I don't want to like create a space for me to create. I want to be aware of when it is that I'm feeling sparked by life. I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, the birds aren't singing to win a Grammy. And I said, they're not trying to go platinum. And that was a, just in the conversation. And I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to write that down. You know, because that was obviously something that resonated with me and I liked the way that it was said. And that's the beginning of a piece. You know, I don't need to go anywhere. I just need to be. Yeah, and be present. Love that. Yeah, so much of, of, of you is like presence. You know, is the ability to be present and to be present to the inspiration, to the feeling, to the thought, to to the situation that's happening or the conversation that you're grappling with? Like, is meditation been your biggest tool for that? It's been one of them. Absolutely. Meditation has been a game changer. Uh, there's a woman named Emily Fletcher. Uh, you know her? No, She's I know. Her. She's yep. really, really yeah. amazing. She has a book out right now on meditation and uh, her company is Eva Meditation. Hmm. And um, yeah, she uh, definitely came in and taught me the techniques. And then I've, just made it a non-negotiable part of my life. And I actually use that word too. You know, language is so interesting because language is imaginary, but it's also really important to how we navigate the world, you know? So I used non-negotiable because I knew if it was negotiable, I would negotiate, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so that's why I've been able to do it for the two times a day for over four years. And, uh, but also the body work that I've done has been a really big thing because, um, this woman named Rachel Putter in Los Angeles gone to for probably five years now. And she finds areas of, uh, emotion and energy that's been trapped and helps you release it and then teaches you how not to take it back on, on a day-to-day basis. So she's been fantastic. You know, all of the tools that everybody else is doing, moto yoga, I've gone to for many, many years. Uh, That's been a big thing. And then just always looking out and seeing if there are interesting healers. You know, a lot of us have access online or in person to amazing, amazing healers. But I also think a lot of them are charlatans. So I've walked out of sessions before. I've definitely been in sessions and been like, I'm good. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. What happened? What was the... Who, who are they? <laughs> I don't no, want to but, call them out. No, no, but, no. I'm just you know, kidding. Like, what was going on that you were like, all right, no? Um, you know, it just didn't feel grounded to me. And it felt, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, 
there, there, I love the fact that spirituality has become a, a part of popular culture and seeking has become a popular thing to do. And, you know, online, there are all these really amazing positive influencers. But my book isn't about the answers. My book is about the questions and it's about sharing my experience. I am always a little bit skeptical when people tell me that they have all of the answers or that their answers are my answers. And when I get that vibe from someone, it feels like it's more wrapped up in their ego than it is about service. Mm. Um, and when I feel that, I don't, I don't fuck around with that. Like, you know, I'm not going to be indoctrinated by anybody else's ideology to our previous point. Mm -hmm. I just want to be open to the things that work for me. And, you know, the reason why the book is called Inquire Within is first of all, in Q is short for in question. And, um, and if you look at the tree on the top and the mirror of the tree on the bottom, you know, and you turn it to the side, it's lungs. And the two halves are inhale and exhale. And it's about going inside. You know, the inhale is the personal poems. The exhale is social and political. But, you know, our whole lives, like, are, we're basically taught to externalize our validation. It's like consumerism is constantly taking from us. It's taking our attention. It's taking our love. It's taking our information now. It's taking our likes. Mm. It's taking our time. It's taking our energy. Mm. Everything's taking. And if we don't know something, we're trained literally to look outside of ourselves to find the answers. And so it's inquire within because I had to inquire within myself to create these poems. You know, the person has to inquire within the pages and they have to inquire within themselves. And to anybody who's listening, if you have something that's going on right now that you can't figure out, of course, like there's lots of things externally that can help you and that are amazing, but also just take some time to be by yourself and be in nature and allow that silence, as you were talking about earlier, to clear out all of the noise so that that one true voice can rise to the top, because that's the voice that's going to give you your direction in life. And uh, I, I hope that this book is, is a window into that for people. Good one. Yeah. Mic drop. I would love to, if you're open to it, you know, give us a a taste, uh, yeah, a taste of what's what people can look forward to in the book. Sure. This is called Home. I want to buy a house where I can make memories in every room. Plant a garden in my backyard and watch the flowers bloom. It will be big, but not so big the guests would get lost. It will be nice but not so nice that everybody whispers what it costs. It will have gorgeous views, but being higher doesn't mean superior. I've learned not to judge a house by what's on the exterior. It's what's on the interior. And I don't mean design because a house is not a home unless the people are aligned. I used to want a mansion. I thought that'd bring me joy. I went and bought a lot of shit that I had no time to enjoy. I was working for a living, but it wasn't working because I wasn't living. And a life without living is unfulfilling, filling up the empty space with all the things that I was getting, yet I could never get enough or give enough to be enough. And that was constantly upsetting. Value is a tricky thing. Is it something that we own or is it something that we bring? Experience is priceless and it doesn't cost a thing because once you make your mind up, you can accomplish anything, even if it seems impossible. Impossible is possible. We take for granted that defying gravity is illogical. Intend what you desire and your will will be unstoppable. See, hope can be despair in disguise. So instead I decide, then I watch as my reality realigns. After all, what is time if it's different in a different place? We're all in one place, floating out in outer space. They'll never bottle time. You can't buy anymore. 
And if you could, it'd be sold out at every corner store. So lately, I've been thinking, what if less is really more? If my mortality is what I'm really living for. I want to slide in socks across Italian marble floors. I want imported art to fill up every corridor. I want my kids to use my bed like it's their trampoline. To walk on top of my couch like it's their balance beam. I want to use my things so they aren't using me. After all, the most important things in life are free. We only borrow land. We only borrow time. We only borrow love. But you can borrow mine. My house is your house. Stay over anytime. If you're a friend, you'll have a permanent vacancy sign. Community is what our culture's lacking. We pretend that we're connected, but mostly it's just unscripted acting. We isolate ourselves and hide from our emotions and pack our schedules as an excuse to stay in motion. I'm living by the beach and yet I never see the ocean. It's always out of reach in the midst of my commotion. God forbid I'd have to sit alone without distraction. It's tough to notice thoughts when we're constantly in actions. No matter what your status is, that isn't satisfaction. So I don't only care what you do. I care that you're doing it with passion. That's why we all should share our gifts and cultivate compassion. Because the fastest way to bliss is through a meaningful interaction. And since I'm not even sure that we exist, I've started asking if this world of form is merely the illusion of attachment. If I could let it all go, my roof would be the stars. My floor would be the earth. My doors would be a jar. My walls would be the wind. My seat would be a stone. My bed would be the clouds and my heart would be my home. But since I want a family and I don't live this life alone, I'm going to buy a house where I can make memories in every room. That's so good. I knew oh. it. I knew she'd be emotional. <laughs> Um, that make you emotional? Yeah. What did it make you I'm, think I'm of? by the beach and I don't go to the beach. Mm. <laughs> um, so much of it. Just even mm -hmm. like the, I guess just what I was thinking about was that we don't, like, I think about that too. Like if we really exist or not. Mm. And like the, like is everything an illusion part? So I just was thinking about like, what do you, what are some of your fa like favorite ponderings that you have about existence? Not favorite, but like, what do you find yourself constantly pondering most about the universe and our existence? Well, it's really magical, isn't it? You know, all of it. Yeah. And we wouldn't know the sweetness of it without, you know, all of the pain and the challenges that we go through individually and as a collective. But if you look at it, you know, and you zoom out or you zoom in, you know, it's infinite out and it's infinite in, and most of it is empty space. So, you know, we are all literally, as I said, vibrating energy, you know, and I try to keep those two truths in my head at the same time, which is there is a physical reality. And in this physical reality, the three of us have our own identities. We have our goals. We have our desires. We have our lives. You know, everything is separate. If someone attacks me, I'm going to protect myself. You know, I have feeling, you know, all of these things mm. are true. Mm. There's larger things, institutionalized racism, populism, climate change. You know, there's real issues within this space that we're in. But then there's also the spiritual reality, you know, and in the spiritual reality, we're just literally like a sea of energy, <laughs> you know, and once you, can try to tap into that flow as we were talking about earlier. I mean, you can change what you're attracted to and what you're attracting. Um, and if you change yourself, you can change the world. You know, somebody, I was talking with a friend the other day, like being a mother is like one of the most revolutionary acts in the world, being a parent, you know, <laughs> I mean, if everybody just 
focus their energy on the next generation, you know? So, um, yeah, I try to hold both of those truths in my head at the same time. But I'm, I'm glad that the poem resonated with you. And, you know, it's one thing if somebody thinks or feels something, you know, for me, the biggest compliment is if somebody does something. As people are thinking about their future and they they assign having owning a home, mm-hmm. a big home as having made it being successful or a, a badge of like, I'm a good mother, father, like I provided this and just kind of redefining that because I think it can become such a burden, a burden that does own you. Yeah. Look, I think, you know, in the physical reality, there's certainly nothing wrong with all of us wanting to live in abundance. But simultaneously, there is like never an end to more. I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just not, there's no destination there, you know, that you'll ever get to where you'll feel like, well, I, I have enough because you're looking for more. You know, and there's nothing external that can fill that space inside of us. So I think there's a difference between trying to live in abundance and provide for the people around you and to live a a, a great life. And just like this consumerism mentality that has us all, you know, chasing our tails in a circle. You know, we're running on a treadmill, but we're not actually getting anywhere. And that ultimately, it, that's a microcosm of this much, much larger macrocosm, which is that the way that capitalism is right now. I mean, I'm a capitalist, but I try to consider myself a conscious capitalist. Mm-hmm. People are fucking profiting off of suffering still on mass levels from the environment to human beings. And we seem to, as a collective, be okay with that, you know, that profiting off of suffering is just a part of the capitalistic uh, game. And it's unsustainable. The system is eating itself. So we have to start to change uh, what we consider success and what we consider value. You know, to how do you make nature a stakeholder? You know, how do you make human rights a stakeholder in these companies in, in terms of saying, well, what's the value of this company? And, you know, I try to do that when I go into the companies and the corporations and, and, you know, speak. Most people that hire me are already aligned, but I'm hoping to open up their minds and their hearts to new ways of uh, living and, and working, you know. I watched a really good documentary on capitalism. I have to think about it. I think it was on Netflix somehow, but it kind of unpacked capitalism and really how now we see capitalism as a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But in its like purity, capitalism is something that is really beneficial. It's just been twisted yeah. with like greed and distortion and darkness and like consumerism. Yeah. And somehow it's been made to like be something that really just eats us alive. Mm-hmm. And that's really why I loved America. I loved the, your... Oh, the poem. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. I thought Thank it was you. like so... Mm-hmm profound and just really speaks to so much of what our generation is like dealing with right now. And I think directly what we were just talking about. Amazing. You know, I'm happy to do that poem. It's just interesting when we started talking, you know, when I walked in, I was like, wow, no one, you know, that I've been anywhere has said, I want you to do America. Really? So it made me connect with you differently because all of my poems are, you know, something that... Yeah, you're like, she's going to say love. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what I thought, but it was yeah. cool that you, you connected to that piece. I love it. You know? Will you do that, that one? one? Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. So I'll tell you this just brief story before I start. So I was uh, coming out of El Pollo Loco once and there was, uh, I had some leftover rice and... <laughs> There was a, a homeless guy who was sitting down and he said, hey, man, do you have any change? And I was like, nah, man, I don't have any change, but I have this rice. And I'm like, I'd be happy to give it to you. And he was like, nah, that's cool, man. He goes, I'm trying not to eat carbohydrates. And I was like, wow, LA, only, baby. only in America. I'm about to buy a bunch of shit that I don't need. What? I got a credit card. I could afford these. I'm going to get a better car. I'm going to get a bigger house. I'm going to get an iPhone 20. I'm going to get a leather couch. I get a gym membership that I won't use. I'm going to pop prescription pills and drink booze. I'm going to cop my girl fake boobs. I'm going to get a pair of baby alligator shoes and a three-piece suit. I'm a legend in my own mind.
I'm about to stick a wind turbine in a coal mine. I got a fat gut in a George Foreman grill. I got a MacBook loading up my acting reel. I got a pool that I never clean. I'll take a Hummer limousine to the Everglades, hunt with an M16 and kill everything. I got a barbed wire tattoo because it looks menacing. I leave the house with the lights on. My favorite part of the day is feeding mice to my python. I don't believe global warming exists. It's a myth. Scientists have invented the shit. And I admit there's some climate differences, but that's it. It's just a normal planetary shift. Dude, get a grip. I drive a Mustang, so my mustache is a must-have. I wear a musk that is made from a muskrat's nutsack. I have a Snuggie, two pending lawsuits, and a daughter thin enough to hula hoop a Fruit Loop. I pick up my wife's dog's Pomeranian poop. My therapist has a therapist, so it's like a whole support group. You know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at? See, I'm pro-life, but I'm pro-death penalty. And essentially, the pressure has been fucking with me mentally. God, tell me what to do. I know that no one is as hypocritical as you. Isn't that true? Oh, we should get some new shoes. Let's hit the mall, y'all. Shop until we feel used. I want it all. Call Janie. Tell her where we are. Well, fuck it. She can just record it on her DVR. I'll text her from the car. But bring me Xanax because Amber's dating Xander and it's making me all manic. I saw them at the standard getting hammered and I panicked. I just don't understand it. He's taking me for granted. I haven't felt this bad since I saw the Titanic. And to be perfectly candid, I can barely stand it. I want to cry and I don't know why. I want to die, but instead I get high. Go to the club and hide. I'll do anything to distract me from me. I just want to be the people that I see on TV. I'm the land of the brave and the almost free. I'm America. And I'm beautiful as can be. Sound the alarm. Something is wrong. People are tired of living a con. Waking and working and walking away with a payment that barely can cover their cost. Plus, they're discovering flaws. Look at the government, totally lost. Tending to bend to the corporate agenda depending on how they can render the laws. Open the doors. Turn on the lights. See how they scatter from out of your sight. Taking the data because all of it matters and mind over matters a matter of time, blind, deaf and dumb, running away from the weight of the way that the world is confined, wrapped in a rhythm where rats in a system, trapped in religion and money and pride. Pride, pride, pride. Sound the alarm. Something is wrong. People are tired of living the con. Waking and working and walking away with a payment that barely can cover their costs. Plus, they're discovering flaws. Look at the government totally lost. Tending to bend to the corporate agenda, depending on how they can render the laws. Open the doors. Turn on the lights. See how they scatter from out of your sight. Taking the data because all of it matters. And mind over matters a matter of time. Blind, deaf and dumb, running away from the weight of the way that the world is confined. Wrapped in a rhythm where rats in the system. Trapped in religion and money and pride. Pride, pride, pride. Sound the alarm. Something is wrong. People are tired of living in a calm. Waking and working and walking away with the payment. The belly could cover their costs. Plus, they're discovering flaws. Look at the government totally lost. Tended to bend to the corporate agenda depending on how they can render the laws. Open the doors. Turn on the lights. See how they scatter from out of your sight. Taking the data because all of it matters. All of it matters a matter of time. Blind, deaf and dumb, running away from the weight of the way that the world's confined. Wrapped in the rhythm. We're rats in a system. Trapped in religion. And money. And pride. The musicality is, I know, so incredible. So good. Thank you. Yeah, you know, so for, thank you. For the book, we worked with this uh, amazing illustrator, Musta Shriek from London, who created all of these beautiful illustrations that kind of helped bring the poetry into an image and create a deeper experience. But then I just finished the audio book too, which has been Dude, that's insane. Yeah, we recorded two and a half hours of all of these poems. And I mean, I've written this shit for years and years and years. And this is the first time I've ever had a home for my art. I've never even had a product. I've just been performing all over the place and they've been living, breathing documents. So this is the first time that I've recorded them all and I've put them in something that people can hold in their hands. And I'm horrible at self-promotion. It's never been something I'm good at or interested in. But I'm really, really excited to give this book away and this audio book away because 
I feel like it's separate from me and I want it to have, you know, as much of a life as it can. Totally. I mean, it's insane. America reminds me a little bit of New Slaves, Kanye West. Mm. Just like about how people think that with their consumerism that they're getting, just like how consumerism so sneakily got into us to make us believe that like wanting more is freedom mm-hmm. and having more is freedom, but it's really just like perpetuates the system. Yeah. And in New Slaves, they talk a lot about like how now people get their paychecks, they barely make it by. They believe that getting free is by buying more and buying into designer stuff, but it really just continues the cycle of like them not being able to like get out of the cycle. And I just think it's so powerful. They they really do sell you that if you buy this, mm-hmm. you're going to get love. I mean, that's basically the whole thing. I mean, you know, no matter how it's really the campaign or anything. I mean, it's just, you know, if you get this, you'll be loved. And no one can love you enough for you not, you know, for the part of you that doesn't love yourself. So it's just, you know, that's why I'm always trying to find ways to get deeper into my own self-worth so that I don't, you know, externalize that. I don't want to give anyone else the power over me, you know, in that way. 100%. Yeah. Especially the dark overlords. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. They truly are. Yeah. And listening to you, like closing my eyes and listening, it's just, I I was realizing how powerful, obviously not only words are, but tone and inflection yeah. and resonance and, you know, no matter who I'm listening to. And it it explains maybe why sometimes I'm with certain people and I'm like, I feel a certain way, like mm-hmm. energetically. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like you, and they might not even realize that that's what's coming across, but I just, it's I like find you it glaze so over. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, I just glaze over. It's mm-hmm. like, but when it is interesting, the, the rhythm and tone and, and I was like, what is it? Is it the energy behind that where you're just like fucking, there's nothing else that you're thinking about, but mm-hmm. your words, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. similar to the start of the conversation, the tracing paper, because sometimes I still feel that within myself where I was seeking something or distracted by something or not fully present. And maybe no one else will notice, but I will. And the goal is always to get that tracing paper closer and closer to getting completely locked in um, so that I'm fully, fully present. And then to your point, which I think is a really, really good point. Sometimes I feel the same way. I'm around people and I'm like, why don't I feel good right now? Yeah. <laughs> you, you ever hung out with somebody who's fake and then all of a sudden like you start acting fake I think that's a part of a Dave Chappelle routine but it's really <laughs> it's, that. I love Dave he's yeah. the best but it really if somebody's like you know acting a certain way and you start acting a certain you know and I'm much I don't care like cool isn't interesting to me mm-hmm. like cool is fucking boring like anybody I'm around who's like in a straight jacket of cool and da 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 boring I'm much more interested in characters than cool and I'm much more interested in somebody being real and authentic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because that kind of lights me up. And those are the people that I like to be around, people who are characters, who are seekers. Um, if they have that combination, usually we get along amazing. I think too for characters, like I like characters and seekers because it brings me back to present too. Mm. And I always like to just be in self-inquiry. So it's like, with cool people, I'm like, oh, you're cool and you're in my box of cool and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And that's not interesting for me. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can check out in whatever it is I'm doing around that person because it's like, oh, I already know what you're going to do. There's right. no surprise. Right. But I love like characters because it's surprising. For sure. And then the surprise brings you back to the present moment and allows you be- to engage in the present moment and like be on your toes. You're like, oh, what's going to happen? Absolutely. That's the best, the best. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I love characters. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. That's it. it was a nice thing in my head. Characters versus cool. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Because once I yeah, acknowledge like that. that, then that's I That's a new poem I'm writing called Characters exactly. versus... Perfect. <laughs> Honestly, Perfect. Characters versus cool. Perfect. <laughs> Taking it. Honestly. Then, this is a good day. If you write a fucking poem after this, uh, I will be very, very happy. so fucking... <laughs> Tomorrow I'm on the beach writing characters versus cool. Yeah, exactly. But, I, but we were saying the other day that character or cool has stood the test of time as a word to describe what everyone understands. Mm. Like cool was around when my parents were young mm. and there's no been no word that's, it's like, 
o- overridden it. Yeah. And also, too, sucks. Mm. People are like, oh, that sucks. Like, at work, people say that sucks. <laughs> right. And what is sucking? Right. You know what I mean? And, like, I do. Cool, cool is, like, temperature. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that, like, a word describing temperature has stood the test of time as, like, a representation of, of a certain thing. And same with sucks. Well, sucks is a little more complicated to, <laughs> totally. to explain. Exactly. Cool is like... But normal people use it all the time. That's true. You know? Cool is very easy to... For me, it's it's easy to explain why that's the case because it is mm-hmm. that middle between hot and cold and it's classic uh, in the way that it always changes in popular culture. What is cool changes yes. around cool. Yeah. But cool always remains the same. Yes. Sucks is I guess, you know, it doesn't matter what sucks. Yeah, but thing- it sucks. <laughs> yeah, but things that suck changes. That's just true. like cool, it evolves. That's true. Things yeah. that suck evolve. That's true. But I just can't believe it's like people at meetings are like, that sucks. And you're like, sucks is le- is less like, uh, more like able to morph. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Like- yeah. Well, like my, I had a friend once that she jumped out of a, a, a car, you know, we were like on the street or whatever. And she walked up and she goes, fuck. Like that, and we were like, "What?" She goes, "I left my kombucha in the Uber." God damn it! Like that, <laughs> and I was like, "That's what sucks these days." Yeah, <laughs> when you left your kombucha in the Uber, I mean, that's a little bit of a, <laughs> you know, it's like people have a lot of real shit that sucks right now all all around the world. So it's just putting it back in perspective for me. Wow, I love that. <laughs> uh Thank you for being here. This was oh, a joy yeah. and a delight. This Truly. Was, this was cool. This I had so a great fun. time. Appreciate oh, good. You. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. Um, you how should can, open our festival. I know. Yeah. I'm down. Okay. okay. Cool. You're hired. When are you hired. guys doing it? October, October in LA. Done. Sorry. Fuck yeah. How can people connect with you, find the book, all the things? Tell us about the book. Yeah. So, uh, Inquire Within, it's out now. Um, you know, it's March 31st. So when you're hearing this, it'll be out in the world. You can get it on Amazon. Hopefully you can get it in your local bookstores. You can go to my website at ion-q.com. And if you do get it, which I hope you do, you know, hit me up on social media. Let me know that you've received it. Tag me. Uh, I really do believe in this. And it's the first time I'm giving my art away to the world. So I would love it if you help me spread the word, you know? I would love to. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. I want the audio one. I yes. mean, <laughs> this one's amazing. And the illustrations are beautiful. They're really, really important. Thank and you. I love the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Really thank you guys so much. That was so a much. great explanation too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank Truly. you. And Party. so I'm in Q Life, by the way. In oh, Q in, Life in on Q-Life. all of my social stuff. Great. Amazing. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you for being here. And thank you for having me really, oh, yeah. truly. Thank you so yeah. much. Of course. We'll see you guys soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Love you. How about that one? How about it? <laughs> Super sexy episode. The book is Inquire it. Within NQ. Incredible. Thank you so very much for joining Almost 30 Podcast. It means so much that you showed up for us in our community. Definitely reach out to NQ on Instagram. Tell him that you listened. Uh, it's NQ Life on Instagram. We love you. Thank you for connecting with us, for inspiring us. Join the secret Facebook group um, and just let us know ways that we can support you. Yep. Here for you. Make sure to sign up for the Almost 30 Podcast newsletter at almost30podcast.com. Connect with us on Instagram at almost30podcast. And also make sure to write a review on iTunes. It means so much when you guys just share a little note about how the messages from this show have impacted you. It really brightens our day. So thank you so much. We are eternally grateful for those that have done that. See you next time. See you soon. <laughs>